welcome back everyone this is uh exo friends the exo squad podcast on the elder millennial network i am david hoyt and i am joined by davon pishami and lexi de Koning, today's expert on why you should never have to work in a shitty ops environment <laughs> we can make a whole podcast series about that <laughs> i'm sure I'm serious though, like I've been listening to this podcast called The Dream, which is amazing. So if anyone is interested in that, I would recommend it. I found it on Stitcher, but I'm sure you can find it elsewhere. And like it makes me want to make more podcasts, actually, because it's so good. Like um it's basically an expose kind of reporting style podcast on multi-level marketing and how it's all bullshit. Amazing. Um, but- I- I almost got sucked into that for uh, right before the housing crisis in two thousand eight. For to, uh, I am read. I am certified to give people mortgages in Pennsylvania because I watched a video, and wow. uh, and I almost, I almost did the part where I took the test to be able to sell insurance, like life insurance, and finally I was like, no, 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 <laughs> this is this is multi level marketing. Uh, yeah that's nuts um yeah i feel like yeah we could make a whole podcast on just like why office office culture like corporate office culture is bullshit and it's like most of the time not productive not efficient not conducive to like doing your best or (laughs) producing good work (laughs) the really weird part about it is i have friends who are like intelligent critical thinkers right and they'll defend that shit and in some some of them, I understand why, because they're like high enough man high enough level management where like it's in their best interest for that shit to continue. But some of them are like, you know, the lowest level that you could be in the accounting department, filling out spreadsheets and shit, and and they'll defend it. They're like, oh well, this is this is the environment we need to get this job done. I'm like, eh, no, it's not. <laughs> well, you kind of have to ask the question though is like is efficiency the goal because i'm not entirely convinced convinced efficiency is the goal i think it's discipline is the goal it's disciplining your workforce because like you have to ask yourself the question do you want an independent free thinking if you're if you're a like corporate you know like kind of corporate executive or whatever especially like you know upper upper management it do you want an efficient yet sort of freewheeling workforce or do you want a less efficient but disciplined and docile workforce and i think it's the latter is what they're after yeah most of the time i believe you're right that they want a workforce that will not unionize that's basically yeah or cause you problems and stuff it's like so what if like you know like jim takes a little longer to get the tps report in or whatever um at least jim's not trying to like stir up trouble and you know rouse the rabble well, so join us next time on Why Office Culture Sucks, our new podcast. <laughs> yeah, on, on Unionize with an exclamation point. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, let's take our union and go Into the Heart of Darkness, part one, <laughs> Abandoned. That'll actually be the first episode of our office podcast, <laughs> Heart of Darkness, Abandoned. <laughs> How I felt working in a corporate office environment. Yeah, me too sometimes. But th- um, that's that's actually the title of episode ten of Exo Squad, um, and this is probably my favorite story arc in the series. Yeah. It, uh, it, go ahead. It's it's leading into the end of season one with just fan 
fantastic drama action and like really really good character work yeah i think it's like this is really where you start to i think the show really starts to take off for me for sure um and i think it's it's really where you start to see the depth and complexity of what the show's capable of like there's been hints of it and some like really really i think interesting and like um very unique developments you know like the whole arc of like throwing people into the sun and all of that sort of stuff um really sets the show apart but this is yeah i think this is where the show the writing really matures and you get like you know a peek into marsala's inner struggle and his background and yeah love it uh, i was gonna say i we watched the entirety of the show now like months ago and i just have such a shitty memory that I have a feeling about what's coming up, uh, especially given what happens in this episode, but I honestly don't remember the story off. So <laughs> I'm going to rely on you guys to fill in those gaps if need be, but yeah, this was we'll a great episode. Yeah. And you know, we don't want to give any way. We don't want to do spoilers just in case, right? So I guess we'll probably keep it to this episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it mostly to this episode. Um, but I mean, it's it starts off uh, right away. The uh, Exo fleet at this point has move to the uh, moon Io to start building a new base to get the Exofleet ready to fight again, you know, because they've had some pretty disastrous outings, uh, especially at the very beginning of the war. Mm -hmm. um, Marcus is now is hanging out with this guy named Captain Furlong, uh, who I don't think we've ever seen before. And they're arguing about Winfield's decision to do this. Uh, Marcus kind of dresses down Furlong and says, like, you know, you can you can question his decisions, but you can't question his bravery because Captain Furlong basically calls Winfield a coward for not getting for not getting into the fight. Um, we see a little bit of uh, Kaz Takagi and Maggie, uh, re uh, working on rebuilding the space. Uh, Takagi is like doing space flips and shit while he has. <laughs> where he has sensitive equipment in this little shuttlecraft he's flying. And my main question through all this was, where did they get all the supplies to build this base? Right? I mean, That's actually a pretty good question. I have no idea. I didn't even think about that. Are they mining, like, Jupiter's moons? That's the only thing I can think of. Like, they must have an entire production, like, manufacturing operation going on out here in the, in, like, the outer reaches of colonized space because like, they can't, unless unless sean napier has figured out how to launch supplies into orbit for them to catch <laughs> where they get all this stuff was it just sitting around right and it's like i mean because all you ever see of exo squad is them or exo fleet is them like ships blowing up people dying like losing resources and it's like, how do they replenish all of this it also raises the question then who's doing the labor on these moons yeah. <laughs> because the neo sapiens were the ones who were supposedly built to do this kind of like deep space work right uh -huh. so i don't know are they humans i don't know yeah yeah i i, I don't I, I always get the i did get the sense that by the time the series starts like neo sapiens are not just laborers they're citizens even though they're second class citizens mm -hmm. obviously uh and the, the humans do have you know, a good sense of engineering, because obviously, like, Maggie is super smart when it comes to building shit right. and fixing shit, but, like, you're right, like, probably, I, I mean, even even without the thought of 
are the Neo Sapiens doing were if they're not there to do the work, who's going to do it? Like the Exo Fleet can't have that many people. <laughs> and right. most of and a lot of them have died. <laughs> right. And it's like I mean, what I would believe is like, you know, like robo miners or something like that, but it's you know, if you already had because like we already I mean like we're not far away from it. We really basically have the technology to like have robots that can do mining. And so it's just like it's kinda like but if they have robo mining, why do you need Neo Sapiens? Other than to just be like shitty and cruel and <laughs> slave owners, basically. It's I never I never funny. even thought of that. It's like we could have automated everything, but no, let's build Let's grow, a, let's grow a race of giant blue men that we can oppress it's just like that's the most that's the most capitalist thing ever it's like we have machines that can do that but let's enslave people that don't even exist yet it's corporate office culture once again just gonna point that out <laughs> the system of discipline must be maintained we could do this if, we could do this safely and efficiently but we would prefer to torture some poor worker to death um, I did enjoy, sorry, <laughs> but like the little interaction between Maggie and Takagi, cause she's working very seriously, like fixing something or building something. And he like rips up with his little, I don't know what you call that little spaceship. And like the front opens with the satellite dishes that she needs. And I don't know if he makes some sort of wisecrack, but she's like, Oh, and I get stuck with a stunt pilot for an assistant. And like her face in that <laughs> shot as he flies off is just like, so exasperated and like miffed i don't know is miffed a word you use here yes okay good sorry sometimes i can't i can't even remember like what slang is my own and what slang is american anymore uh but yeah her face is just priceless in that shot because she's just like fuck you Takagi. Like, it's very yeah. relatable like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i got a screen get, cap of it I'll, I'll post it you get you get stuck you get stuck with the intern in your very important job and you're just like ah this fucking clown I'd do this <laughs> so much better if I had someone who actually knew what they were doing and was taking this seriously <laughs> uh, there's also a shot at right at the beginning of the episode Kayvon and I both noticed of a like a woman working in an e-frame also on the same you know rebuilding this uh the fleet whatever but like upside down she looks like Alice Noretti I thought that too okay mm-hmm so a, we were like, is this just a coincidence or a digit or what? There's some kind of like weird Illuminati, like QAnon conspiracy going on with Alice and Reddy and so many Every everyone like, who's wide shut enable, shit or something. Everyone who's not in Able Squad is actually Alice and Reddy. <laughs> yeah, all right. The real the real truth is that like they're all being grown in vats and like there's a few like different people, but everyone else is just Alice and Reddy. She's the lizard people. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> idea uh we cut we cut to uh furlong and marcus there are now talking to admiral winfield appealing to him to like you know saying we've we've refitted the fleet enough we have to attack otherwise phaeton will be prepared for us when we come and i mean like he's already prepared (laughs) i guess he i guess he could do more I, i think they say he can fix the graph shield and if they don't attack they'll uh they won't ever be able to get through because of that which i mean that's actually kind of smart right like yeah yeah if he gets that graph shield up and working again they're kind of fucked um 
it, but you know it, it also leads leads like marcus you tried this before remember and it didn't go well <laughs> right right and it's and, it's not been that long since you guys you know lost a bunch of ships on the last attack yeah at most it's been two years yeah which how how long do you think it takes what would have to be a skeleton crew of people to rebuild one of those ships? I, I would assume a long time. Yeah. Unless they have robots doing it, right? Right. Which you know <laughs> <laughs> we never see them. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, it also like I guess maybe they don't have any better choice. But why is Marcus still in any kind of command after that shit? Like. He right. has proven he has proven to be like grossly incompetent, at least from what we're presented as the audience. Right, right, and any politics that might have put him in that job probably don't exist anymore because there's no politics. It's just like I mean, they effectively are a military dictatorship now because there's no yep. democracy or anything. So I don't I, uh, unless he has because you know this is the stuff that like wouldn't get developed in a kids show. But like again, if we ever do get like a modern adult reboot. Um, you know, there could be the politics. He obviously has support within the fleet. Yeah. And there could be like fleet politics where it's like removing him could cause more problems than just keeping him on, at least for now. Um, and Winfield's like such an old grandpa. I could see him just like not believing that Marcus would ever be capable of, um, mutiny. <laughs> Surprise. I know, right? <laughs> but it's like, you kind of, you kind of see Winfield as being someone who wants to like believe the best in someone until. Yeah. You know, they yeah. know for sure otherwise. And, like, it's like, hey, Marcus is an idiot, but, like, he'll at least listen to me and, like, I have him under control. And it's like, but you actually don't, old man. Oops. I feel like if Winfield actually got a lot of screen time, he would be, like, the Uncle Iroh of this series. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Drink tea, flirting with ladies. Yeah. <laughs> flirting, flirting with, flirting with, flirting with, with that neo nurse. nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's got he's got bad blue fever. <laughs> oh, oh no! Can we call it that? No, I, I think blue so. Fever. I think we can call it that. Yeah, it, that's what we're calling it from now on. Oh God! Uh, are we gonna get canceled? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, cancel cancel culture is hardly real, and if you believe in it, you're fucking stupid. So. I know, right? <laughs> but my 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 extremely rare, barely basically out of print dr seuss books please oh my god oh my god. that's a whole that's a whole other deviation see um, this is as a, as a brief deviation this is the problem with people <laughs> believing they have to have an opinion about everything it's life is a lot more liberating if you just like i actually don't need to care about like what racist dr seuss books are in print or not like just don't give a shit yeah it's fine <laughs> The, the power to not care is the greatest superpower yeah. there ever was. Because the world will go on without, like, some book you've never read that has, like, horrific depictions of Asian people. And, like, also, like, racial justice <laughs> doesn't depend on whether those books are around or not. It's fine. Yeah. Just don't care. Yeah. Well, you know who anyway. does care? J.T. Marsh. J.T. Marsh cares. <laughs> He does care. He's, he's he's got a very serious face throughout this episode. So yeah, I mean in uh, general, <laughs> like levity is. I mean he's capable of it, but it's definitely not his nature. After Winfield kicks Marcus and Furlong out of his office, uh, Marcus is 
talking to Furlong and you could start to like hear like maybe there's a plan going down and something sneaky's gonna happen. But he sees JT come in and he goes up to JT and he's like, I have a special mission for you and Able Squad. And uh, it, it ends up being that he want he tells JT that he needs him to go to Mars and blow up this Neo Sapien weapons factory. Um, and he says he says that despite their past differences, he really respects JT. And you know what? I can actually believe that because, <laughs> like pragmatically, it seems like JT's the Able Squad is one of the best squads in the fleet. Yeah. Um, in no small yeah. part to JT, right? I mean, Marcus is definitely like using uh, a flattery approach here to try and convince JT, which is why I said like he cares just because there's a shot of JT's face that is very, how do I say it, like suitably skeptical, but he also mm -hmm. is like, oh, well, if this is an important mission, then I guess, yeah, like we're going to do it. So uh i don't know i felt like this this episode had some weird animation frames but then it also had some like really good close-ups um and just like characters faces were re used really well and that was an example of one where like gt's face I, conveys a lot of complex emotion for what is essentially a bunch of lines you yeah, know i i i this this has popped up in my brain because i because i remember watching this with my partner a few months ago we we watched uh my the my little pony series right friendship is magic it's actually really good you should watch it but anyway you don't have to convince it, us yeah. it's okay <laughs> in, the, in the last in the last season in the last season it seemed like like all the action kind of died down and they put every single ounce of animation budget into like facial expressions and there are just some like legendary stank faces in that <laughs> whole season with every character it's amazing Beautiful. but anyways <laughs> but i mean i do th i think you're right because like why else would marcus send jt away like you know he knows jt is dangerous he knows if there's anyone that's gonna mess uh, like screw up his plans it's gonna be jt and able squad so it's like yeah, okay, right. he has to and so like he can dislike him, but he also recognizes like JT's a good soldier, he's capable, and he's dangerous. Yeah. And he's not on Marcus's side. Like, exactly. JT. JT yeah. is loyal to Winfield. Yeah. Um but so uh J JT goes to tell Able Squad about the mission. Um and uh as as before he gets to the hangar that they're hanging out in, we get to see Marcella just schooling everyone on how to play poker i think that's what they're playing yeah i think so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um uh, and sorry, Na nara, nara explains to him what a bluff is and he's like but he basically looks confused like that would be lying uh and then he immediately bluffs bronski and has this like shit-eating grin on his face that's absolutely wonderful again more good facial animation work. yeah so Kayvon and i were watching this and we were like I actually think that Masala is bluffing on a level that is beyond what anyone is even aware of, right? Like, there's a double bluff going on here where he's pretending to be stupid or, like, pretending to not understand poker or pretending to not understand how bluffing works, but he's actually just, like, having them all over. Um, yeah. He's hustling them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, go ahead. Like, he, know he actually does know what bluffing is. And he, he and his act is so good that Nara thinks she has to explain it to him, right? Well, because like at the end of the day, he still is this like 
for lack of a better word, like neo-sapien nationalist, like not in the same way Phaeton is, but he's still like, he's someone who like believes deeply in the cause of neo, neo-sapien liberation. Right. And I think like he is like, for whatever reason, and this is something where it's like more background and development on this would be amazing. Is just like what his decision-making process was in terms of joining Exo squad, why he took this oath. You know, you get some vague sense that it's, like, for, for finding some kind of reconciliation because he's, you know, like, he doesn't believe that, like, violent um, opposition is, is the pathway forward anymore. Yeah. And so, like, I think he still, this is how he kind of deals with the whole, like, conflict of being, like, this kind of neo-sapien liberationist who's in ExoFleet is just messing with humans. Is just, like, actually, like, you know, because they all walk around thinking that he is incapable of emotion in the same way they are is just rigidly logical, all this sort of stuff. And, like, he just, like, enjoys messing with their stereotypes and, like, play, just, like, you know, actually outsmarting them left and right emotionally and, you know, like, intellectually. Yeah. It... Wow, I forgot what I was going to say. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> never mind, never mind, never mind. Uh, so, uh, in, the, in, this, in this scene, Alec is hitting on Maggie? And I can't, I can't tell if she likes it or not. Um, but also Rita comes up and is Rita jealous or is she just trying to like not have that stuff in her squad? I go ahead. I was going to say like the interaction is what, like Alec comes up to Maggie and says something like, oh, like woman's touch or whatever, or like. Well, she lies the hand of woman. Yeah. She's fixing something for him, and she's like, oh, you have too much torque on it. And he's like, ah, gentle lies the hand of woman. And she's like, yeah, until I put it on you. And then he says something like, oh, but I say that to all the blah, blah, blahs or whatever. Officers. That's right. And, like, Maggie's face, that's where she betrays a little bit of her, like, feeling. Because she doesn't quite blush, but the way she, like, looks down or, like, looks away, I don't know. There's, like, a twinge of... I don't know, coyness or something going on? I don't know how to read that facial expression. But again, this is, like, really good animation of their faces. And then that's when, like, Maggie, like, busts in. And what does she... Sorry. When Rita busts in. And what does she say to them? I can't can't remember. Oh, I should have wrote it down. It's something, like... It's something to the equivalent of, like, no more lollygagging or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She she breaks up. She breaks it up. She breaks it up. She's like, all right, you do. Well, uh, I mean, as, as like the squad NCO, I mean, she probably doesn't want to see like any fraternization, especially if um, because Maggie's an officer, right? Although so is and Alex, like I don't know, it's not clear like what his rank really is. Is their intelligence officer? But I think he would be considered a commissioned officer. Okay. Either way, still so. like fraternization in the squad would be a big no-no, right? You would think. Yeah. That kind of fraternization. Uh after this jt comes in and he tells the group about uh about the mission and takagi's like or he said he tells them like this is really important if we succeed it'll be huge for us but if we fail it'll be a huge hit to morale and if he says like it's got to be secret so like i guess if they fail how would anyone uh it, but takagi says well how could we fail if you have the dynamic duo of brodsky and takagi and he's like yeah <laughs> but you're not going <laughs> oh takagi <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and the reason why they can't the reason why they can't go is because Maggie and him are doing high profile work and it would be noticed if they were gone. Right. Right. Uh, I also just want to point out that like Bronski burps. This is the first scene we have a Bronski this episode and he burps in it and then I think he burps in like literally every other scene he's in yes. throughout the rest of this episode. <laughs> he, bur- he burps a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, this is like seriously it- gassy Bronski episode. <laughs> I mean, it's like forget the death counter. We should probably just start counting his burps. Uh, I I, I stop the death counter. I I feel I feel bad of shirking my responsibility. Well, you just lose track at some point because it's like how <laughs> how many people are in that like observation tower that like gets knocked over when they do the raid on the graph shield and like how many how many people have been flown into the sun at this point? <laughs> how many God, people just... starved on Venus? Like right, you know seriously. What well, what are we talking? Probably an eight figure, maybe nine figure death toll at this point. I I would I would guess it's in the hundreds of millions of people dead. Yeah, if the, not billions. Yeah, yeah. We don't know how many people like what they did on Earth, and yeah, it's probably it could be billions. Yeah. Uh, JT says that this mission will be taking place near Olympus Mons, and Marcella kind of gets this far away look, and he's just like Olympus Mons. <laughs> and he started starting to build up starting to build up what i think is really great about him um this con this inner conflict mm-hmm. um and they they leave they get on this shuttle and the shuttle <laughs> the shuttle looks like i i almost wonder if they drew this e-frame and used it in a different scene and they're like we need a shuttle just put in that e-frame because it just looks like a giant e-frame Right. It's with legs, right? Yeah, it has legs. <laughs> I wonder. Was this one of the um, like rejected designs too? Somebody's like, "No, we're not going to use that as our one of our E-frame designs." And then they were trying to figure out what to make the shuttle look like. And it's like, "Well, we have this old rejected E-frame design. Maybe we can go with this." Yeah, yeah. And, and like they fly out of the stomach of it whenever they leave it. <laughs> It's the, really, it's really weird. Don't the Neo Sapiens have something similar though? There's like a giant E frame yeah. that like carries around other E frames. I'm pretty sure they do. Like I think that giant red E frame that we see occasionally can hold other E frames, um, but not as many as this thing does. This thing's this thing's gigantic right. um, compared to that thing, at least in the scale that we see them. Uh, comparatively maybe it's uh maybe it's something they've been building in their jupiter base yeah <laughs> maybe there's like a russian nesting doll situation where inside each e-frame is an even smaller e-frame <laughs> there's, actually, there's actually a tiny e-frame inside of jt march's e-frame piloted by like a cat <laughs> would, would like a watch muscle, like, yeah would would watch unironically exocats are you kidding <laughs> yeah i'm here for it <laughs> bigly if you're listening will minio jeff seagal like please exocats uh on the shot on <laughs> sorry go ahead no no no. i said let's do it absolutely yeah. on this shuttle able squad is making final preparations to uh launch down to mars and the pilot of the shuttle is sees that three Neo Sapien Y wings have been launched, and we get a good scene of a Neo Sapien like I don't know radar watcher is like they're sending in a single ship. That's suicide, which seems to be a great like a reoccurring motif. Like whenever the Neo Sapiens see just like one ship coming in, they're like, "Why? 
<laughs> it's irrational. Yeah, and then it ends up being their downfall every time. Oh, uh, Wolf Wolf is Bronski is doing like a stretching routine, and he gives out a good belch. Uh, The this is like the third time we also hear them say Cyberlink on. Mm. Yeah, because they're they're really starting to focus on that. And um, G before they launch, JT has a picture of Alice in his E frame, and it like to me. It seems like more than just an officer trying to remember a fallen comrade. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we were talking about this during that scene. It's kind of like the way that he looks at it is very wistful and he like smiles and there's like, mm. it's like, is there, was there something romantic going on there that we just never I, get the background of? That's the impression I'm getting is that they, there was like an off-screen romance in between those two, and it's it's being subtly and well like well it's it's being implied in a well-written way that's not super overt. It just makes you wonder, right? Right. Because I feel like yeah, having the photograph, it's it's kind of like a visual throwback to other movies or things, media that you might have seen um, of, like, World War II soldiers with, like, a picture of their sweetheart, you know, in their pack. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's, as you say, like, that's the visual cue that we're given. At least that's how it reads to me. And so I think they are trying to imply some sort of, like, romantic backstory or a romance that never was, but, like, could have been there, something like that. And then because it's a kid's show and because of the limitations of, you know, what you can squeeze into an episode of a show like this, I think they just don't go down that road. Well, and the, the the one thing about the whole the this whole the picture that really makes me think that is it's signed in yes. Alice, what I assume is Alice's handwriting. Like, I don't I don't walk up to Kayvon and be like, "Will you sign this, my good friend, so I can hang it on my windshield?" Right. <laughs> I mean, but you should. You really should. I'm kind of disappointed in our friendship that you haven't yet. Dude. I'm I'm open to it. I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, I I'm okay with it. I'm a modern woman. Oh, I love you, Mikey. Thanks for being understanding. She just sold you to me. Like that. <laughs> it's like yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave owns me now. Damn. Well, fix all my computer contract. problems from now on. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but it, like JT's face definitely suggests something, right? There's like some sort of emotional attachment that we are just not privy to, um, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so able able squad launches because of the Neo Sapiens flying at them, and then uh, <laughs> there's some great like Rita. They JT says. Try not to engage them, and then they immediately engage them. (laughs) Right, like less than a second after he says that, and like Rita gives out this good like eleven o'clock, and they get they get kind of beaten up. um, Yeah, to to the to the point where uh, Bronski belches a lot, and they have to (laughs) land. (laughs) Yeah, like Bronski's hit like immediately, basically, right? Yeah, his arm is almost blown off. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, Alec tries to do something. He's like, tries to ride to somebody's rescue. And he's like, oh, I'll help you. And then he gets shot, like, immediately. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I guess not. Uh, well, like, unable squad. 
It's like, uh, it's but, just three Y-Wings at first, right? Like, that's the kind of funny part of it is it's, you know, here's this, like, crack squad of, like, E-frame pilots and three plane pilots yeah. or whatever. We, we've seen, we've seen Able bits. Squad, we've seen Able Squad take out much greater odds before. But, right. you know, if, I guess it's just, you know, if they come in at the right angle and they catch you by surprise, they win, right? Yeah. Um, and Bronski says nothing like making sure, and I think this is like the second or third time he said that, almost like a catchphrase. And I, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's, it's, it's always stuck out in my mind. Um, All right, I gotta keep an eye out, well, keep an ear out for that because I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, he said he said it once when he was blowing up some pirates. Um, mm. <laughs> Mark Marcus recalls the shuttle stranding Able Squad, and thus, you know, initiating what's going to happen very soon here. Uh, Phaeton is talking to Typhonus because Typhonus tells him that, you know, a single, a single shuttle sent some E-frames into down to Mars, and Phaeton's like, well, why didn't you destroy them? Why did you only send three Y-wings? And he's like, it's just a single squad. And Phaeton, Phaeton's catching on at this point. He's like, every time they do this, something bad happens. <laughs> uh, one same single squad keeps showing up over and over again. Yeah, and I don't know if they know it's the same squad at this point. Like, right. I, does Phaeton know? I don't think Phaeton knows who J2 March is. Um, they are, though, the most recognizable and individualized people in the show, right? Like, True. Their costumes and their e-frames really stand out, so you'd think the Neo Sapiens would would be like, "Hey, it's those guys again," but yeah, yeah. maybe not. And Phaeton's like poking Typhonus in the chest with oh his giant hand knives. <laughs> God, so aggressive! It's like every single syllable he just jabs him <laughs> over and over again. Uh, do you think? Do you think at this point Phaeton is starting to get a little unhinged? I mean, I think he probably was from the beginning, but yeah. Well, I mean, besides besides the whole genocidal maniac thing, I mean, is he is he starting to get paranoid? Because I don't think he was paranoid before. Well, so like you got to, th- I mean, think about like kind of the psychology of it. You know, if we can speculate, like he's this um, megalomaniacal uh, dictator type with like these delusions of grandeur about neo sapien destiny, right? Destiny is like his his term, his concept, right? And like it's you know right to the point of like it was his password if you remember that was the password that the uh, the finance minister guessed way back in like the first or second episode. Um, may you rest in peace. Uh, and um, so here he is. He's accomplished basically everything that he had set out to do. Right. He's captured Venus. He's captured Earth. Um, he's defeated Exo the Exo fleet and everything. But he hasn't gotten rid of them yet. And in his imagination, like when everything goes off with such a, without a hitch at first, and they just kind of blitzkrieg the other planets and like establish control, everything's playing into his megalomaniacal vision of himself. Except for the fact that they just can't get rid of that damn exo fleet, and they keep having these little but costly setbacks of like you know losing Algernon in the Graph Shield, um, and some of the other kind of like defeats that have unfolded at the hands of Exo Squad, and like this is so it's. There's that sort of frustration. It's like, why can't I realize my destiny? Why can't I bring this to an end? This should have been done by now. You know, I took over everything really quickly, but something's not right. And, like, that's probably building that sort of agitation. Yeah, he's won, but he hasn't defeated them yet. Right, right. Um, 
so, uh, we, we cut back to Able Squad flying through a canyon at low altitudes, and JT ambushes a squad of Neosapien E-frames by knocking a bunch of rocks on them and killing them. And we, we hear Marsala again, it, like, he's starting to question things. He's like, I have to remember my oath that I made to the fleet and to others. Mm-hmm. And is he talking about Nara there? Well, he, I, I wonder about that. Cause he says like at first, you know, he's, he says it's like just like 50 years ago or whatever, yeah. you know, kind of alluding to the rebellion and sort of, this is like the first moment where you really get a hint that he like had a part in it. Mm. Um, but yeah. And I wonder like, what is that? Who are the others? And like he, she's in the frame of the shot. And I think that's what they're suggesting. Yeah. But we, like, it, it seems more like a, like, metaphorical is that the right word for a metaphorical oath than an actual oath like because i don't i don't think those two have like made an oath to each other right right he's he's made an oath in his heart yeah Yeah. i mean (laughs) like why not though you know like you know whether it's whether it's love or not like i think it's something where he's like she means something more to him than the rest of them do and maybe he's made like an oath to like stick by her and look after her and even if it's not like necessarily like um you know amorous or even like even non-platonic friendship like she's his uh e-frame mate for lack of a better like they pilot together and it's co-pilot yeah yeah she's his co-pilot and like you know he has like a specific duty to her that probably transcends his duty to the rest of the squad even yeah does that mean does that mean their brains are connected via the e-frame when they both like cyberlink in interesting that's hot that's so hot yeah, maybe they have like some kind of like empathic <laughs> link to each other. That is actually kind of hot. Oh. Well, so Kevin and I also noticed like slightly that like Nara is seriously like escalating the physical contact with Masala in this episode. Like in the scene earlier where they're playing poker, she like leans over him and appears to like touch his chin while she explains mm-hmm. what a blush is. And then like in this scene when they get to like Olympus Mons and he's you know, reminiscing on whatever, like, she's, like, touching his arm, and, like, I don't know, there's, like, at least, like, two or three different parts where she she appears to be very, like, physically affectionate with him. Yeah, she's, um, she's got the blue fever, just like Winfield. <laughs> she, she wants that big blue energy. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, it's it's interesting, again, and these are, like, things that they obviously couldn't go into detail with the children's show, and, like, you know, all those limitations are totally understandable, but... So, As adults, you can definitely read the romantic subtext into this, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, if if we can, if we call a human wanting wanting some Neosapien strange blue fever, what's what do we call a Neosapien wanting to get it down, get it on with a human? Hot for Terran. Terran tinnitus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Terranitis. Uh, Terranitis. There we go. Ter- He's got a bad case of Terranitis. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Mm. Terrible. Uh, I mean, yes. I remember even as a kid, though, over the course of the show, maybe not this early, but like definitely into the second season, like as a kid being like, just get together already. Like you want them to get together. Yeah. Yeah. Narsala. That's the great. It's the greatest uh, ship that ever happened. Narsala. <laughs> damn. That's a, that's a t shirt that needs made. Um, <laughs> uh, rule 34 that shit no don't don't <laughs> what's rule 34 hang on oh that 
Oh no. <laughs> okay, never mind. You can tell me later. <laughs> it's 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 just it's just the concept that if you if you have a cartoon character, some or a cartoon, especially a cartoon relationship, uh, someone will n- draw porn of it. Oh yeah. Okay, that's. I mean. It's already happening, Dave. I'm sure it's out. I'm, sh- I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm 100% sure it is. We'll have, a, we'll have an episode devoted to that, folks. Don't worry. We, um, we'll, we will plumb the depths of the internet in search of this and report back soon. <laughs> uh, Mark, Marcus and Furlong are back at, we're back at Exofleet. Uh, Marcus is doing that, you know, that stupid thing where military people build a gun to, like, accentuate a point. And uh, basically... <laughs> Basically, the scene just comes to like, oh, time to mutiny, and uh, we go back. We go back to Able Squad. Alec gives a geography lesson while they're flying towards Olympus Mons, like the tallest volcano in the solar system. Is it and, really thirty kilometers tall? By the way, I actually, I think it is. God I damn. think it is. That's gigantic, right? That's crazy big. Yeah. That's something like what is that? About twenty miles almost. Wait, let me let me let me just do a quick. I seem to recall I had the Magic School Bus video game or like computer game. Twenty space. Twenty six kilometers. Yeah, twenty six kilometers. Which is twenty one miles. Sixty nine thousand eight. So that's more than twice uh, Everest, then, huh? I mean, it basically reaches into space. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Aliens. I mean, but maybe. <laughs> but maybe. Uh, uh, oh boy, Mar- Marsala reminisces again. Like, yeah, he he's like this. He he says something to indicate this is where the final battle took place uh, in the Neo Sapien Liberation War, um, or uprising is is what people usually call it. And Nara tries to comfort him. He's like, I know what this feels like coming home like this. And yeah, this is not the first time this happens where Marsala is like, you you can't understand. There's mm-hmm. no way you possibly could. Um, mm. someday, someday she'll she'll figure out that maybe uh, he's gone through more shit than she has. Yeah. Uh, Which I think, like, I mean, begs the question: How much do like the humans that weren't actually a part of the putting down the rebellion? How much do they actually know what happened? Oh man, do you think it's like today where, like, when we're taught about the Civil War, it's just like there were slaves, then they were freed. The end. Or, like, the American occupations of whatever, or, like, the conquering of the West, or whatever it is. Like, you know, like, the stuff where it's just, like, it's not really taught in schools. There's not really, like, a video record of it, because they probably weren't trying to film a lot of, like, the atrocities they were committing. Like, I wonder if it's something where it's, like, you know, in in Nara's mind, it's, like, oh, they went on strike. And, like, you know, there was some, like, a bit of violence, but then they went back to work and, like, got some rights. No, I think I, I I would I would believe that that is probably the case because right. the hit winners winners write history and they always make themselves look good, right? Right, right. And cause, and it would have happened before like anybody in Able Squad was born, and you just like because otherwise like Nara's an asshole. Like, oh, I know what this is like. It's like no, you fucking don't. <laughs> like you like I know what it's like to watch your friends get slaughtered. She she recently went through a pretty traumatic experience herself, so like That's I think she's trying to connect to him on that level. Like I know yeah. it's like to come home in war, yeah. But like, yes, she lost her parents, and that's terrible. But how many 
for lack of a better term, brothers and sisters did Marsala lose. Right. Literal brothers and sisters in, in, in the sense that they that they define that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah, the also, context is a little bit different. Also, again, just more great Bronski this episode when they're flying towards here, like Rita yells at Bronski for not being in close enough formation and he like drags his arm across <laughs> across the canyon wall as he's flying. The coming mother. <laughs> <laughs> does he burp as well? Like uh, yeah, I think he does. I think he does. Kayvon was like, this is like Bronski was every boy's favorite character. And I'm like, yeah, I can tell. I, I can yeah. see why. Because <laughs> he is like well, know, just just based on a poll of boy. the people that I know that have watched the show, which is me and Dave, Bronski was definitely our favorite character. <laughs> All right, and our enormous sample size of two. Um, yeah. Hey, if you're I, listening to the, you know, listen to the podcast, right? And who's your favorite character and why? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not judging either way. It's just it's really funny because he does act like a, a kid sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh goodness! I also love. Sorry, like. So they, is this the part where they use the rocks to then get on that yeah. rock, yeah. whatever, like the ship that drives into the uh, base? The hover, the hover truck that has to stop so the guy can get out and move the rocks for some reason, <laughs> even though it's a hover truck. <laughs> right. They're really big rocks, Dave. And he also, he was like, I haven't done my exercise for the day. I'm going to get out, throw these rocks. He's just getting That's, steps in, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like a little bit of exercise. A little, little bit of cardio, yeah. This is great, because, like, then the hover truck, like, as it's going into the base, there's just a shot of, like, another Neosapien worker in an E-frame outside who has pink eyes, and I was like, that guy looks totally fucking stoned at work. I didn't notice he, that. He is, uh, yeah, it's like he's got serious, like, red eyes from, he's ripped. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, you're you're on Mars. It's the safest. It's the safest stronghold that the Neosapien Order holds. So why why not why not get a little get a little sauce to help that? Right? <laughs> yeah. Smoking some like... of that good Martian sativa. Right, <laughs> dude, huge bonger rips on guard duty. Man, I hope Baton doesn't catch me. <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot of um uh what's the term for setting up where your where your actors are on the stage blocking uh yeah there's a lot of blocking in this that doesn't make sense because like able squad jumps into the back of that truck and then like there's clearly guards like looking down into the bed of that truck right <laughs> and they don't see them uh maybe they hit under something but they don't show that and it's just like this plan was terrible <laughs> <laughs> right. just like hop in the back of this truck while this guy's lifting boulders yeah, if that dude maybe that's why that guy's like they had the guy red-eyed guy is like well everyone's high anyway so no one's really paying attention <laughs> yeah there you go well marcus probably didn't even think they were going to make it this far right like yeah i actually questioned if marcus even knew this facility was here <laughs> right he was just sending them to their deaths and like they just happen to be so fucking good at their jobs that they actually do they uncover a secret right. weapons laboratory. <laughs> go go to Olympus Mons and blow up the first building you see. <laughs> It'll probably be important. Yeah, and it is. Um, they get they get into the facility, and there's all these vats. You know, it kind of, it's actually a little reminiscent of like the the Joker 
how like his origin story the chemical plant mm-hmm. um and you know they're, they're standing there on this catwalk looking down it and jt's like this isn't a weapons facility and alec looks at marsala and he's like if you don't tell him what it is i will and marsala reveals to the rest of the squad that this is all material for the neo sapien brooding process and there's enough here to make millions of neo sapiens which you know is they jump to the conclusion that if they're gonna make this many neo sapiens they're just gonna start wiping out all the humans right. instead of using them as labor and they they're like well we gotta blow this shit up and they start setting bombs and bronsky like goes i don't know where he's going like maybe he was going to guard that door or something but he walks towards this door and a neo sapien comes in and he just fucking like throws him off the balcony (laughs) (laughs) he just like charges straight into him doesn't he he like double legs him he like he spears him and like grabs him and like it's like double leg he just like tosses him over the side with it yeah neo sapiens aren't small or light (laughs) again we go again we go back to bronski and how fucking so that's (laughs) i wonder like i don't know i mean maybe the animators know something about wrestling or grappling but like the whole idea of a double leg is that you hit someone at the hips and you grab them by the knees more or less and so as you lift them they fold and it doesn't matter if they're a lot heavier than you like lexi you know when we've done jujitsu like lexi can double leg me and Fuck, for yeah, listeners, I'm I'm a, almost a foot and a half taller than she is, and like <laughs> I don't know, twice your weight, more than twice your weight. So it's yeah, and so like it's it's actually like watching it's like oh yeah, he just like straight speared him and double legged him, like it's a basic wrestling takedown. Two and points. That, <laughs> and that's not that's not the that's not the first time I mean, we've seen it a couple times in this series that like at least from my layman point layman's point of view like whenever they do kind of grappling moves like that it looks really good right mm-hmm. yeah and i mean maybe one of the animators or like somebody who's in charge of storyboarding or something actually like was you know wrestled in high school or something and it's like okay well if you're going to try and take down someone who's bigger than you like do this yeah um so he knocks this guy off into a vat and it alerts another neo sapien who sounds an alarm do you think do you think the guy who found that vat died do you think that stuff's like poisonous or toxic to neo sapiens i like to think he dissolved <laughs> or he either dissolved or he just like fell in it and he was like i'm just gonna stay here till this is over <laughs> it's just like yeah, maybe, yeah, like, maybe it's... all the guards are ripped and he's just like man fuck it i don't have the energy for this today <laughs> maybe it's just like a nice warm bubble bath because i i don't know in my notes here that i took while we were watching this episode i wrote here the old brood fluid factory and then caveman and i were like is this basically just like neo sapien semen it's just like vats and vats of like warm spunk yeah ew Sorry if that's gross. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it is, but now I do. I wasn't thinking what it was, but now I do. Sorry. I was like at the bottom of that bed, just like, God, I shouldn't have gotten out of bed today. Like, oh, oh, God, it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's in my nostrils. I mean, it could be good for your skin, though. That's what they say. Uh, And next week at work, it's like, damn, Bob. Your uh, your skin's looking great there. It's like don't 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 even don't say it. <laughs> uh, 
Well, so uh, the alarm sounds and more Neo Sapiens converge on Abel's squad. We can see Rita do some badass ninja moves. Um, at one point, Alec, Alec and Nara are like being backed up into a corner. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, but for some reason, when I saw that scene, I'm like, these two are basically twins. Yeah. And actually, if you look at like Alec and James side by side, they're also remarkably similar looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've never done that. No, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to be able to do that after this episode. But it, like, they look they look like, I mean, it's probably just, you know, animation is hard and drawing humans that look that different all the time is is also hard. So you cut some corners. But, like, they really look similar. At that it's it's because, maybe maybe it's Mr. Because... Burns took a trip to Earth. In the <laughs> <bear>. <laughs> well, in one of the, um, you know how they do those, like, little backstory bits uh, when they go to commercial? Alex is that he's like an orphan from like Paris or something. That's right. He's like French, um, with a definite, definite French accent. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Maybe he's like the long lost Burns brother. Amazing. <laughs> be night, such a one great night in arc. Paris. Oh, yeah. that would be such a great arc. Yeah, like Nara's Nara's dad's like, you know, doing a business trip to to Paris or something, and oops. So- selling their venusian soybeans in paris mm-hmm. like just going to the technique do agriculture convention or whatever uh sorry for anyone who speaks french because i know i just butchered that completely i mean you probably um, do it better than i could do so yeah seriously <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making it up on the spot to be honest uh <laughs> it's like this sounds vaguely frenchish um <laughs> but isn't this also there's like another scene here where marsala's like I must do what must be done. Yeah. My oath. Um, yeah. Yeah, when so he plants, he puts like one of the bombs on one of the sides of the vats, right? Yeah. He is obligated to do this, and you get really start to get the sense that's the only reason why he's doing this is because of that oath. Um, the yeah, I mean, eventually, eventually they blow they blow up the vats, and some of the Neo Sapiens go for like a water slide ride on the liquid that's poured out for it, and they run for this like hovercraft and escape the base. And they're pursued by Neo Sapiens, and the uh, the hovercraft crashes right conveniently right near their e-frames. And I love the part where Brodsky is running <laughs> behind everyone, and he's like shooting in the air, trying to shoot the Neo Sapiens. He's like, "Someone cover me!" And no one covers him. <laughs> everyone just keeps running. Shit! And he's the last one to get to his E-frame. It's really funny when he runs by JT. He's like, <gasps> <laughs> "Right, you gotta, you gotta get in some cardio, Brodsky. You oh, can't just God. do lifts all day." <laughs> I just I love it because it's like this is supposed to be like the elite human squad. Like this is the number one. Like if you need something done, you send an able squad, and it's like cover me. Like not it, no man. We're all we're all running. Get to your armored suit, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, JT tries to contact the shuttle at this point, and he can't. So he sends Alec up in the air to boost the signal. And we cut to Winfield getting JT's message, and he's like, "What the fuck is Able Squad doing on Mars?" <laughs> and it's at this point that Marcus uh, executes his mutiny, and it—I it, mean, it just goes over swimmingly. <laughs> he comes into the bridge with a co- with a bunch of his supporters, which it seems like he has a lot of, and yeah. he throws Winfield in the brig. 
and uh, Kaz and Maggie are doing their work outside. Kaz or Takagi, sorry, uh, Takagi uh, complains that they've been doing a lot of overtime, and Maggie says, "Okay, go take a break." And he gets caught up in the mutiny, and um, yeah, the the it's like the, I was gonna say there's like another two. There's like another one or two like Alice Noretti lookalikes in the mutiny scene with Takagi as well. I don't, know any, I don't know if it's they all have the same hairstyle and with like a mask over the eyes, it's really difficult to tell them apart. But I was just like, I was like, wait, hang on. Yeah, this Alice Noretti being a clone thing really uh, is starting to take hold. <laughs> like, there's like a there's, e- there's evidence. with an exo squad. Lizard Norettis. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the, this, the episode ends with Marcus being like a super zoom in on Marcus and him just like menacingly saying like at 0500 we fly for earth. <laughs> and that's that's where it ends. It, yeah. And and everything is going to go swimming. Of course. Work is wrong. It's going to work out. What what that always it always works when uh you just fly your fleet directly into a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, into not one, but two much larger fleets. It'll be yeah. fine. Well, what could go wrong? Fortunately, That's... the Venusian fleet's no longer a problem. <laughs> oh. uh, I was going to say, yeah, that's how we uh, finished World War One so quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, just charge at them, guys. It'll be fine. It'll work. It'll work. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> if, we, if we try this for four years, eventually it will work. <laughs> Oh, and goodness. it did. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because one side ran out of guys before the other one did. That's one way to win. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. Oh god, great. They, uh, the, there was also another uh, one line in this episode where they were talking about like how many Neo Sapiens there were, and it's a big number, but it's a it's much smaller than humanity, obviously. Yeah. So there's five million Neo Sapiens. On Mars. And on Mars. Oh, I guess that's true. There might be more elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's probably, like, there's got to be a couple million fleet, right? You would think. I would assume, I, yeah. I, th- I do think you're right. I mean, I think they're much smaller than the human, which is where the breeding vets are the, the thing, right? Yeah. And they get into it, um, they get into it later in the second season when it, like, gets very World War Two, and it's like, oh... They're just like fighting these, like losing these rear guard actions as they're like slowly being pushed back by the humans. And they bring it up, I think, constantly in some of the later episodes of just like there's just not enough Neo Sapiens to fight off the humans. Yeah. Oh, and wow. they, they would lose a war of attrition. Yeah. Like, Which is what it becomes, right? Even though the Neo Sapiens are like bigger and stronger, yeah, they just don't have the numbers, right? That's yeah. the issue. Which is, again, it's like, I mean, it's the parallels of World War II are, I mean, like, obvious and intentional, but it's, you know, like, the Germans have the superior firepower at the start of the war, but slowly just, like, run out of material and production capacity and blah, 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 and then eventually are outclassed also by the end of the war because they just can't keep up with the development either. Well, uh, that will yeah. do it for this episode. Um, yeah. As always, thank you, everyone, for listening, and if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash em network tell your friends leave comments subscribe all that stuff um 
I guess this week, since we talked about Rule 34 in the episode, I will plug a hilarious podcast that I sometimes listen to called Pixel Squirt. It is about a podcast where a couple of people talk about and you can basically make fun of uh, video game porn. Amazing. That sounds incredible. Sounds great. Um, yeah. And then next week we'll be talking about what I think is probably one of the best episodes of Exo Squad, period. Yeah. Or yeah. Next two, I guess two weeks for you guys, but yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is these these final episodes of season one are really I think the best in the series. Yeah. Top notch television. And not not that that means it gets bad. It just they never quite get this good again. Um, I I don't I think there's some really powerful I mean, and I think it's like personal probably personal taste, but I think there's some really powerful episodes in the second season. And there is in the second season there's an episode coming up that I'm super pumped for to talk about. Um, yeah, I won't say more. I'll just tease it at that. But it's, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually excited to figure out which episode that is. Um, yeah, when the listeners aren't listening, I'll mention it. But yeah, it's my it's my favorite episode. And I'm super get, psyched the, to get to it. I get the cheater spoilers. Uh, <laughs> how about you two? Anything you want to plug this week? Any anyone you think deserves attention? Uh, no, I'll just mention that podcast. Uh, mentioned at the beginning dream and i'm listening to it on stitcher uh and it's about multi-level marketing and so much more um, I wanna, but I yeah wanna, i i want to start listening to that because um that that nixium documentary mm-hmm. uh that 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 really got my got you know my interest in market multi-level marketing scams going again heck yeah uh-huh. yeah it's it's a really well written produced put together podcast so definitely recommend that i uh lexi and i've been water just finished watching adam curtis's new documentary can't get you out of my head um which is a is really frustrating to search for on youtube it is it's free on youtube although it's a bit like it's um slightly edited because of youtube's um nonsense content policies but it doesn't really impact the actual uh documentary but it's a phenomenal kind of he calls it an emotional history of the modern world um, and it's sort of like just looking at how things got this bad, um, like all the way up to the kind of um, the 2020 elections and stuff, um, but at, like kind of going through the 20th century. But he tells the, the story by following like a bunch of different characters who are like just really fascinating people, like from like Mao Zedong's wife to um, Tupac Shakur's mother and then Tupac Shakur also. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else, like a tons of just like, people you've never heard of and then really famous people um, and just kind of weaves this really fascinating narrative around their experiences set in a larger social context with just like really amazing um, found footage. Uh, not found footage, but just like, cause he, it's like BBC archive footage that sort of illustrates what he's talking about. And it's, it's a just really, really phenomenal documentary. It's for you to watch on YouTube. I just say that in my, wa- in my watch later. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. Um, is the whole series out or is it just, uh, it's done. It yeah. It's, out? It's six parts. It's finished. I think and it aired on the one, BBC a while back. Each one's like the length of a film, so you have to kind of make time to sit down and watch them. But we we got through it in like a week because it was just so engrossing. Yeah, I think what it's like the first five episodes are a little more than an hour, and then the last episode's two hours. Okay, all right. Yeah, really good documentary. I'll check that out. Well, I think that's it for this week then. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and stay safe out there. Get your jab.
Yep. Cheers. Get jabbed. <laughs> yeah, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you're already vaccinated. And most of us are too. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers. Bye, everyone. <laughs> oh, boy. Bye.